Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, it's time for your mailbag segment. We have all these questions answered 100% correctly today or your money-back guarantee. But first, let's talk a little bit about the Bucs as they began preparation for their game on Sunday against the 49ers. And we kind of picked up where we left off in talking to Todd Bowles. Kind of a strange move, uh, at least one that wasn't necessarily expected on, on Tuesday when the Bucs essentially waved kick returner, wide receiver Jalen Darden. And the timing of it was was just bizarre. I mean, you know, we are, you know, 12 weeks into an NFL season. They're getting ready to play on the road. Fairly significant position of kick returner. I mean, you don't trust just anyone. Darden was a fourth-round pick, not a low pick necessarily, but a mid-round pick, fourth-rounder out of, um, was it North Texas, just a year ago in 2021. He's been their kick returner all this time. And they just dispatch him and say, nah, we're waving you. That's it. With, with no intention, by the way, of bringing him back on the practice squad, nor did they necessarily think he would clear waivers. It was just, we're done with you. And so we had a chance to talk to Todd Bowles about it for the first time on Wednesday. And he just kind of reiterated that, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's really tough to, you know, to release somebody. He says he's a talented player and we're just doing what's best for the team. At, uh, at this point in time, you know what that is? That is Nunya. That, that's a comment that says, we're not telling you why we released him, right? Hope he catches on somewhere. More on that in a minute. But we're auditioning guys uh, now like we have been, and whether it's Giovanni Bernard or Scotty Miller or somebody else, you know, they're, they're auditioning these guys, and uh, they'll make a decision at the end of the week. So that just raises the intrigue level, which is like, what this guy do? You know, like, okay, so we you, he didn't play offense. All right, let's examine that. He didn't play offense last year. Now, maybe you had hopes. I remember in training camp they were saying, oh, he really gets it. He's a different guy. Uh, you know, he uh, you know, made that, that, that transition from North Texas to the NFL, working really hard. Um, but they really didn't give him during the season – any opportunities, you know, we saw him in training camp playing wide receiver some, and, you know, basically you want to utilize his speed. You want to do what you can, um, you know, to try to get him going again. But they just never attempted to give him the ball. And I think it's been five or six weeks. He had a total of two catches this year. Uh, I think he had one rushing attempt maybe in the season opener or thereabouts, and they never gave him the ball again. And so – kind of hard to make plays if they're not going to give you opportunities. Again, we don't watch practice. We don't know, you know, what he's doing. Is he dropping balls out there? Is he, you know, is he assignment, um, you know, poor? Is he not knowing what he's doing? None of that is is known, and no, nor is there a reason for them to trash the guy. But I'm just here to tell you, uh, I, you know, I kind of have the the spidey sense that goes up on things like this. And we may never know what exactly, you know, was the last ticket out. But 
Um, certainly they're not telling us. So they got Scotty Miller uh, could be the guy that does it. Giovanni Bernard has returned kickoffs before. Scotty's returned punts and kickoffs, I think. De- I think they may go the route of, uh, for one reason or another, elevating some of these guys on the practice squad that they like, Devin Tompkins or Kalen uh, Geiger, uh, which they have used in the past. And and, you, and this is the other part of it, right? Like these guys are out there every single day on the practice squad. No one's holding a telethon for them. They're in the NFL, and they get paid probably a quarter of a million dollars, which is good change if you can get it. But, you know, they're they're running the opposing team's offense every day. Well, what if they're making plays? What if they're beating their defense, you know, and they see these guys coming on and go, wow. You know, there's a, there's somebody we, that could return kicks and maybe uh, we could use on offense a little bit. So I'm not going to totally discount what I'm saying, but I kind of discount or what they're saying, but I kind of discount a lot of it because it just isn't the timing isn't right. And they don't have like a surefire replacement. It's not like, oh, well, if you picked up him, then obviously you've improved yourself. Um, these guys that they're going to use have been on the team all along. And if they were the best kick returners, rest assured they would have been returning kicks, right? They thought, you know, every game, the players you see on the field, I assure you, are exactly the ones that the Bucks think gives them the best chance to win. And they'll go to the special teams coach, Keith Armstrong, and they'll say, who gives us the best chance at this position? And he's going to tell them, and they're going to play them. Uh, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you were drafted, or how old you are, that's the case. So up until Monday night, it had always been Jalen Darden, and then it wasn't. And it's not like he fumbled. It's not, you know, he had some, you, you could argue that he, you know, maybe should have called a fair catch and let a ball bounce, that sort of thing. Didn't cost him too much. But there wasn't any egregious errors anyway that I remember, and yet he's on his way. And so he was claimed on Wednesday by the Cleveland Browns, which is interesting because Cleveland just got a good good look at him. Uh, he was there, you know, competing and losing to them just two weeks ago. So happy trails to Jalen Darden, but this is still kind of a weird deal. We'll get more in the game tomorrow. Uh, of course, Bucks headed to San Francisco. They'll practice today. They'll practice Friday, get on a plane Friday afternoon, be out there for better part of uh, three days anyway, and then fly home after the game on Sunday. So we'll break down that matchup uh, on tomorrow's podcast. want to remind you guys, if you're looking to save money on your electric bill, and who is not, there is a solution for you. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing these solar electric systems for 12 years. A lot of these companies are out there. You want to call my friends at May Electric Solar. Why? Because they're committed to you for the long term. This isn't a fly-by-night deal. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. If something goes wrong with that, they're out there fixing it, no cost to you. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the main difference. If you visit the Hudson Showroom, May Electric displays all their products and conduct on-site testing. You can see what they'll install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. You know exactly who's doing the job. Those are Billy Mays guys up on the roof. They'll take care of you. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. It's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, we'll talk maybe a little college football tomorrow as well as get you ready for the Bucks and the Niners. But first, we got some mailbag questions. Let's get started. All right, we'll start with Bob, who emailed you. He says, they say that winning is the great deodorant. While the Bucks win on Monday Night Football was epic, the offense still stinks, pun intended. Did you hear the impromptu chants in the fourth quarter from the fans, we want Bruce, we want Bruce? 
Obviously, in light of the outcome, those sentiments have been quelled. But make no bones about it, those sentiments are present and will raise its ugly head next time when the outcome is not so good. I didn't hear them live. Uh, I, I, I heard about them afterwards, after the fact. And unfortunately, we're, where we used to be in the press box, some of the beat writers that are there every day um, had their own little booth uh, separate from the rest of the press. And we were on the 50-yard line, but that real estate is too expensive, and so they kicked us out. But we used to be able to open the windows. And we could hear the fans, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed hearing the actual crowd because um, that's sort of the you know the difference between watching at home and and going to a game is the energy you get from the from the actual stadium. So that was always neat. But we don't get to do that anymore. So therefore, no, I didn't hear the chants in real time. Heard about them, and they had uh, you know shown Bruce Arians on the big not on the big screen but on the uh, telecast, and they talked about how you know according to Joe Buck, Troy Aikman said. They felt that the Bucks missed some of Bruce Arians' uh, energy that he brought, you know, and, um, and and I would agree with that to some to some extent, uh, maybe to a large extent. I don't know; it just depends. But I I do think winning is a great deodorant. But the guy's right; you can also you can also still stink. You know, there is. Look, I'd rather I'd rather be bad play bad during the game and, and make corrections after a win. Any coach will tell you that as opposed to after a loss, you know, the NFL is such a week to week business that, and we talked about this. It, it literally feels like if you win a game, a game, um, you look at your schedule and not just the next week, but the rest of them. And you go, oh, we could, we could beat all these teams that are on the schedule. We could beat them. We could beat them. When you lose, it feels like there isn't anyone you can beat. Right. And if they'd have lost that game to the to the Saints, that race would have tightened so tight, and they'd have been looking at going to San Francisco after a terrible offensive performance. Now going to go play one of the best defenses in the NFL. Forget who's playing quarterback, you know, for the Forty ers It doesn't really matter because as many problems as the Bucks had on Monday night, they would have been like, well, you know. We're going to get beat here. This is a, you know, we we could end up losing three in a row. Then they come home and play the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the best team in the AFC right now. The AFC, the way they're playing, and you could be looking at a four game losing streak, and then you could be uh, what five and nine and have to win three in a row just to get to eight and nine and have an outside chance at winning the division. So the math really was would have been screwed up, um, and you know that's how critical that win was. But I will I will submit to you because I went back and had they replayed the game the other day. I was watching. Um, that's about as bad a performance as they've had all year on offense, right up until five minutes to go or so. And that, of course, is when Brady took over, um, took the offense over. You know, two minute drive, and they got every break imaginable because we talked about this. I think the Saints lost the game as much as the Bucks won it, taking nothing away from Brady. He's brilliant in those situations, but he needed every single play and every mistake that the Browns made. Now, some of those you put pressure on them, and you know that that's why they make those mistakes. The pass interference to Mike Evans, right? Great call, great throw. Uh, Evans has his guy beat, and the guy jumps on his back and interferes with him. You know that that's sort of a good play by you, but you needed a big chunk there somewhere, uh, or you're going to run out of time. And so they got the first touchdown that way. It set up, um, you know, the touchdown to Kate Otten. Um, so you know, all all things being what they are, and, and pray all praise to Brady notwithstanding you're right they they were bad i mean they were they've been historically bad on offense and i saw nothing um monday night against against the saints team that had allowed a total of three points in their two previous trips to raymond james 
they were about to to you know leave three more on their way out of town with a victory. Um, so this team doesn't score points. Uh, their defense Hank keeps them in the game. Uh, they absolutely had to get the ball back after they did score their first touchdown to give them a chance to win again. Some with some terrible play calling and execution by the Saints to help out. And so there isn't anything fixed. I I don't and look, you know you're. I mean, 12 weeks into the season, do we think there's a magic bullet here? Do we think it's just all going to click now? I mean, it helps, right, that guys are practicing. You know, this is about the fourth straight week Julio Jones is practicing. Um, you know, they, they've gotten some guys back on offense. You've now had Nick Leverett in there a significant amount of time, and he should be starting to gel a little bit with that offensive line. Um, but now you've lost Tristan Wirfs, and, you know, I, I don't know that Josh Wells played all that great. I know he held up. But I don't think he played great. Donovan Smith has been playing poorly. Uh, you know, so against the defense they're going to face, I have no reason to expect them to play well on offense because they haven't done it all year. And it, the best-case scenario is their rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy, makes a couple mistakes or somebody fumbles a ball and they get a short field or or they're in the game and Tom Brady has the last shot at it. You know, And, and he's already won two games. Could have been three if Todd Bowles is a little more aggressive and lets the greatest fourth-quarter comeback quarterback have a shot at it as opposed to not calling time out uh, in, you know, on, on their possession before the end of the game. So um, I, I don't have any reason to believe, and you know we'll get into this too later, I'm sure, but like, there's, there's no reason to believe that they're going to do in San Francisco what they did the last five minutes of Monday night's game. Because, one, they're not going to run that offense because you're not going to get those looks on defense. And and I think they're playing a better team. I think I know they're playing a better team than the Saints. All right, John Doe had uh, tweeted us. says, in the third quarter after Rashad White's devastating fumble, I noticed that he was greeted at the sidelines by Levante David. It seemed like the two had a nice exchange. To your knowledge, did anyone ask the captain what he said to the rookie? Have not. Uh, I, I vowed to do that. I mean, I have not done it yet, but um, De- Levante wasn't in the locker room during the portion of the media on Wednesday. My guess is, and this is merely a guess, is that it was positive. It might have been constructive, but I'm sure it was positive because Levante has made mistakes in the past, and I think everybody sees the talent that White has. The great thing about White, some young run- running backs might have gone in the jar, might have beaten themselves up, right, or fought their hands or whatever it is. Uh, when you make a bad play like that. He took it for what it was, which was a good play by the defender and a lesson that, you know, even if you don't see somebody, you got to really secure the football because it, it could have been something that cost him the game. But I, And I don't know what he said, but I would imagine um, while there was probably, you know, it wasn't an attaboy, but it was, pro- but it was probably very constructive criticism on Levante's part along with probably, you know, a – Hey, you know, go go atone for it, go make up for it, and boy, did he ever! Um, you know, John Romano wrote a column about that. Like this was about not just a victory, but redemption. Um, you know, for a guy like Rashad White, who had a a major fumble in that game that really cost him. They were starting to move the ball a little bit, uh, and then he and then he had the strip, and so it was just a good reminder, I'm sure, by Levante that there was more game to play, um, and you know, rookies can get down on themselves very quickly. And and the one thing in sports is all about confidence. If you've ever attempted to play it, um, that's all it is. It, it's it's about confidence. So there's a lot of guys, 
and certainly everyone in the NFL is great. They're all the biggest, fastest, baddest you know people in the land, or they wouldn't be here. That's how they got here. Now, how do you stay here? How do you become a consistent player here? How do you become a star in this league? It's all confidence. You have to you have to capture it, and you do it by by practicing. You do it by having success on the practice field. Then you have to translate that onto game day. And Rashad has finally done that. Uh, but you also have to overcome the bad plays too. And and so when you have a bad play as a young player, without much history, you can get down on yourself. And one fumble can lead to three. And and that's I'm sure that's something that Levante was probably reminding him of. But I don't know, and I will ask. All right, we got two questions on this next subject. Michael had tweeted, why can't the Bucks run more no huddle like Tom Brady did and like the Colts did with Peyton Manning? Meanwhile, Amar tweeted us. He said, when the Bucks run no huddle, up-tempo, they are hard to stop. The receivers seem to win their matchups, and Brady seems to get through his progressions in that quick-fire way we've seen him do his entire career. Why doesn't the team operate this way more? It's a great question, and we'll be writing about this. Um, and first of all, every team has that, right? Every team, it doesn't have to be a two-minute situation. Every team has the ability or the option uh, to not huddle, to go to the line of scrimmage, um, to to prevent the defense from substituting. That's primarily why you do it. Uh, and so you know what's on the field. Like, say, for example, you come out in three wide receivers, and you know when you go three wide receivers, they're going to get out of their base defense, they're going to take out a linebacker, and they're going to put in an extra defensive back, right? So that might be a safety. It might be another corner. But let's say you think you have an advantage, right, your third receiver against their third corner, you may want to keep them, you know, in their nickel defense. And so the way you do that is you go no huddle. You you know, you're up at the line of scrimmage after every play, and if they begin to substitute, you can snap the ball, catch them with 12 guys on the field, what have you. And so you, you do two things. You wear out their defensive linemen because they're the guys that are going to want to come out after a first down or two. Those big guys get tired fast. Uh, and you dictate the personnel that you think you have the matchup over. So those are the reasons to do it. The problem is it's, you know, people look at the end of games, right? And they say, well, why not do that the whole game? Well, because you're not going to get the same looks, right? If it's a zero zero game or maybe you're leading or they're, they're, they're tra- maybe they're leading by seven. You just, you know, there's too much time in the game. In other words, they're not trying, they're not trying to defeat the clock and you, right? in a game in the first half, first quarter, first drive, whatever, they're just trying to keep you out of the end zone. So they may be uber aggressive in situations that you can't block up, right? Or, um, you know, some some things will will just look different. In in the two-minute end-of-game situation, which Tom has perfected over 23 seasons, time and time again, 44th, the most of all time, fourth quarter comeback, he knows he knows a lot of things, right? He knows what he's getting on defense. That's the biggest thing, right? Like, okay, they're going to play off. Um, you know, their their corners are going to be off five, five, ten yards. Why? Because they don't want to give up a quick score. Because they're they're trying to compete against you and the clock. The way to beat you is to strangle you, to run, to to not give you enough opportunities with the clock to to score twice, and in this case, two touchdowns. So they have a dual purpose here. Yes, they, 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 they want to get the ball back. They want to prevent you from scoring. That's true. But if they're up two scores as you know they were the other night, um, 
the bigger thing is if, if I can milk the clock, if I can make you work hard to get down there and there wouldn't be much time left. So when I get the ball, I need a first down and it's over, right? So I want to I want to get your timeouts. I want you to use all of those because I don't want you to have an ability to stop the clock. You got three timeouts and a two-minute warning, okay? So we're outside of two minutes, and that's not what you get at the start of games. It isn't. You know, no one cares how many timeouts you have. Um, and, and you, you know, you've got not just the first half to play, but the whole second half to play. So teams have done it and I've seen them do it. And this wouldn't be a bad idea from this standpoint. I've seen them do it to try to jumpstart the energy. Like there are teams that might start games slowly, but not just slowly, but kind of slog, you know, they, they don't have much pop. They don't have much fire. Um, and you might start a game with no huddle because that gets the juices flowing. The other thing that occurs, though, and it's fatal, and this is what Todd Bowles is afraid of, um, is, and we've seen it before, is that if you do start a game that way and you don't make a first down, um, you're three and out and you've no time off the clock. So now your defense is back out there and, and they may have a long drive against them. Maybe they give up a field goal. Maybe they don't give up anything, but they're on the field for two or three first downs. And then they come off, and before they can get a drink of water, you could go three and out again. And then they're back on the field. And so it's all about, you know, how many plays do I have on offense versus how many how few plays I can keep you from, you know, having on offense because you got to have the ball to score. So it's a complimentary game, and it's easy to say, well, that was successful. Let's just do that because Brady's better at it. And he is really good at it. But he's good at it because it's it, you know the NFL more than college, more than high school, more than anything is about situational football. You practice these situations, right? And you practice two minute all the time. But you're doing it with the looks you think you're going to get from the other team on defense. You know where they're backed off, where they're playing cover two, where they're not letting anything go over their head, where they give you the underneath stuff. And then at some point you need to make a big play in there, and they got the pass interference, and that really was what got them going. But you know, to start a game that way, you've got to be really, really efficient. And I've seen nothing that would indicate the Bucks would be that, especially since they won't get those looks. You know, you want to go, you know, hurry up with, um, you know, the the corners, you know, right on top of your receivers. And if they don't win off the line of scrimmage, you're you're getting sacked or you're throwing the ball away. And and you know, seven seconds have run off the clock. That that's a tough way to make a living, especially if you're trying to protect your defense. So. Defensive coach, not very aggressive. We saw what he did in overtime against Cleveland, uh, even in the t- even in a two minute situation, which was I think a fatal mistake. Um, but he is not inclined to start a game that way. Even though you could make the argument that okay, let's do it for the first series and see how it goes, right? But if it doesn't work, like I said, you you've just turned the ball back over, and your special teams and your defense are going to get wore out. But somewhere in there is the mama bear because. Obviously, Tom is very comfortable. I do think it. I do think that it um, gets the gets everybody involved. You know, the one thing Tom will do in those situations is is that he throws to the open guy. He does most of the time anyway. But you know, everybody is on it because they know the ball could be coming to them, and you know, you should feel that way anyway. Um, but a lot of times, you hear the call and you know it's a bubble screen to Chris Godwin, right? Um, in a two-minute situation, it literally could go any place, and so guys are just sort of they're just sort of wired different, you know. Um, but I don't I don't think you'll see that, even though it's been talked about a lot. But there a lot it's a good question, but it's just it's simply not the same situational football you have at the end of a game.
All right, Harlan tweeted us. He says, what's going on with Ryan Jensen? You see him on the sidelines during games. Should we hope for a late-season return? Oh, what was it Tom Brady said the other day? Hope is not a strategy. I think that's where they're at with Ryan Jensen. Um, they all hope that there might be a day this year in the playoffs or thereabouts or before where he can come back and play. But that's all it is, is hope. Um, I've not heard, and nor have they provided any evidence to that effect. I know, or I, I expect, at least based on what we've gathered and watched, that he hasn't had surgery. So if that knee was injury was so severe that we are now in week 12, going on to week 13, and Ryan Jensen isn't practicing, Ryan Jensen isn't out on the field with a trainer, Ryan Jensen is merely walking around on game day in a boot, and by the way, because of his knee and because of the limitations he has, doesn't look like he's in great cardio shape, folks. So all of that being said, here we are. We're already into December now, and there's a you know there's five games left, month of the season, before the playoffs. Even if he were on the field today um, and cleared for football activity, how long would it take him to get into game shape? And then when he did play, how good, how effective could he be? I mean, these are all. You know, like I, it's kind of interesting um, in different situation because he had surgery. But Odell Beckham Jr. is taking this tour, right? He's been to the Giants. He's been to Dallas. At no point has any play, has any team said, "Yeah, he'll be ready to play." Blank. The problem, the reason Odell Beckham isn't signed anywhere is because nobody's no know, knows if he's going to play this year. You know, like playoffs, eh, maybe on the outside chance, but how deep do you have to go? So you know, you got a guy wanting a four or five year deal in his thirties and you can't have him cleared physically to go out there and run routes and cut and all those things. Why would I give him the money? I think it's similar to Jensen who was under contract, but there's no way you're going to, you're going to think here in December that he's going to come back and, and is going to, you know, be the difference in your offense. Because again, it's a, it's a multi-level thing. One, when is he cleared to play, to do football? When is he cleared just to get out there? And then two, how long before he's in shape to play a game? This isn't, Beat a Vea where you go, okay, go play 33 snaps only on passing downs. Push the pocket. You'll help our outside linebackers. If you're a center, you play. You play every down. You don't alternate centers. So I think it's a pipe dream. If it happens, it happens. But uh, I, don't, I don't think he's coming over that hill. I really don't. All right, Craig tweeted us. He says, simple question. If Bucks don't make the playoffs or have a poor showing at home, who's gone? Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, or both? Well, I, you know, I hate hypotheticals like this because I'm not in the firing business, and so let me be clear. I'm not advocating what they should do uh, or will do yet. Um, when I get to that point, you'll read it in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. It won't be me fielding a, fielding a hypothetical question on, um, you know, Sports Day Tampa Bay. But we asked for it, and you gave it to us. So let me give you my... 100% money-back guaranteed answer. I don't know, um, and I think it's okay to say that right now. If I was just speculating, here's the thing. So his, his qualifiers were they make the playoffs and or lose the first round? So he said? So they don't make the playoffs or have a poor showing at home. So I assume that means poor showing first round of the playoffs. Okay, so they either don't make it, which is one box, or they make it and they, and they lose uh, and, and maybe don't play well in the first round. I think those two things, well, let's face it, it gets you in the same place, which is back down the mountain. Um, but I think they're a little bit different, uh, and here's why. 
making the playoffs gives Tom Brady and, and, and the team a chance. Now, you'd say, well, if you flame out in the first round, it really didn't matter. That's true. But it doesn't matter for 31 other teams either. You know, there's a lot of ways to look at this. And a lot of, a lot of programs that are, you know, got a new quarterback or a new coach, and that's more than half of the teams in the NFL usually, um, you know, if you make the playoffs, it's like, ooh, good, that's progress. We made the playoffs. Or, we, or we've made the playoffs three years in a row now. And it's just a matter of time before we get past the NFC Championship or the AFC Championship and get to a Super Bowl. But in reality, there's only one team that's happy, and the rest of it just doesn't matter. It might matter to the owner because he has a home playoff game and so he gets some extra money. Um, that matters, right? It depends on what who you're asking. Uh, but for Tom Brady... All that matters to him are rings. You know, my favorite ring is the next one. So it, to him, losing in the wild card or even the championship game still falls short. Now, I, I would grant you if they make it to the NFC Championship um, based on how they started the season, that would be pretty remarkable, and I think everybody's safe. But right now, here's what you have to ask yourself. Okay, so they have a poor season. And let's say Brady leaves because he's a free agent or or retires. Either way, he's not back here next year, let's say. Okay, so now we've got a coaching staff that had a bad year. I'm going to have a tough time selling that. Now, thank gosh, the Bucs went out and said, if you want to be a new season ticket holder this year, and there were some openings, you had to buy it for two seasons. So some of those folks are locked in for 2023 no matter what Brady does. But maybe not the whole stadium, but – I've got to sell this, right? So I've got to sell to my fans that we're going to reload, not rebuild, but we're going to do it with another quarterback because we have to. Well, when they when they were there last year uh, for the 40 days, it was either going to be Kyle Trask um, or Blaine Gabbert. You know what? That's probably what it's going to be after this season. So do you want a new head coach for that? Because you're going to win too many games to be really in the in the high – quarterback derby you're not getting cj stroud you know um and 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 those guys and so you could draft a quarterback but you don't even know what you have in trask and you drafted him a couple years ago granted it was it was in the you know the third round i believe but um second round or third round i can't remember which it was at the bottom of them but don't you want to find out what you have and so if you're going to do that do I want to hire a new coach and then say, that's your quarterback, I need you to find out what you have in in Kyle Trask? I don't know that you would. I think you might want to just say to Todd Bowles, well, I thought I left you a Super Bowl team. We screwed that up. Now you can take the bullet and, and go through a year of transition because we have no salary cap room. We're, we're $90 million over the salary cap or whatever it is. We're going to have to start shedding some players even though we owe them some money. Um, we're going to have to get younger because we're the oldest team in the NFL. And so you know what all that spells? Losing. <clears throat> it spells losing. And it, it's Carolina. It's Atlanta, right? It's what new coaches that come into situations do. They're looking for quarterbacks, trying to rebuild or reload or whatever, um, but they're not signing a ton of free agents, and you can't because you don't have any money. You've mortgaged the future for the Brady years. And so that that bill has to be paid. Is Todd Bowles going to pay it? Or are you going to saddle a new head coach with it? I would I would say that they prefer Bulls do that, <laughs> you know. Um, now I'm not naive. Somebody's going to be blamed for this, right? You had Tom Brady, you had Mike Evans, you had Chris Godwin. By the way, 
other than Godwin missing a few games early in the season, Julio Jones, of course, you know, has been in and out, but now of late he's been mostly in. So count Julio Jones, Rash, you know, Rashad uh, White, um, Leonard Fournette. I'm naming skilled players that are still pretty damn good players in this league. A really good defense. I don't care what you say. Their defense has done their job. You know, you're allowing what they're allowing on defense. You you had a good defense. So how did you miss the playoffs with Tom Brady? Somebody has to pay for that. I would guess, and this is only a guess, it'll be Byron Leftwich. They'll have a new offensive coordinator, and what will be the narrative will be, write this down, what day is this? The 7th of December? As we're taping the podcast, 8th of December as you're listening to it. There will be a narrative that says, well, Todd was hired so late in the year because, remember, it wasn't until Bruce Arians, after Tom came back, said, I think I'll step aside and make Todd the head coach. He'll say, I didn't have a chance to hire coordinators. I didn't have a chance to pick my offensive coordinator. I didn't have a chance to pick a defensive coordinator. I had to call plays. Therefore, I was involved in game planning. I need to just be a head coach. There'll be a lot of selling of the new staff, right? And some guys might be retained from this staff. Others won't. I would think Byron Leftwich is going to take the fall for this season if they bring back Todd Bowles. And they could blow them all out if, you know, if it really goes bad. But if I had to guess, um, Bowles will be back and maybe Leftwich would pay the price. All right, Alejandro tweeted us. He says, regardless of what happens at the end of the year, do you see this team keeping Kyle Trask, getting another journeyman, or drafting a quarterback? Well, they could do all three. Um, that's the beauty of the quarterback position is you're, you know, you're limited in terms of who's available and in terms of how much money you're going to spend. Obviously, if, if there were a, you know, an elite quarterback shakes free and you never know who that's going to be um, and he costs a lot of money, that's, that's a, a separate issue because you're, you're going to, I think, have a dead salary cap hip of, of over $30 million for Tom Brady next year without Tom Brady. So you can only – that's the other problem with the free agent quarterback deal is that, you know, if they go that route, they can't pay anybody very much money. So you're looking at a guy that maybe has been a starter, maybe will come in and compete with Trask, maybe even replace Trask if he wobbles a bit. Um, but to me, it, it's not going to uh, – it's not going to make a big difference. You know what I'm saying? Um I think that they'll probably go with Trask. I think there's a good likelihood that Blaine Gabbert comes back um, under the right scenario. If it's you know if it's a different offense, maybe he doesn't, right? Um, but I think he wants a shot at starting, and I think this is probably be his best shot would be to compete with Trask. And then and then it you know who's out there? You know, are you going to get a Teddy Bridgewater type? Uh, are you going to get? Uh, are you going to take a shot on a failed young quarterback? Right? Do you say, well, if we get him like a Baker Mayfield, maybe we can turn him into something because he has pedigree and he's a first round pick and he's a free agent and we can, you know, he can't demand much money because he's bounced around now to two or three teams. So it could be a combination of all three, to be honest with you. And it just depends on where, where you know, it's musical chairs, man. And, and, but the biggest thing that the Bucks have going against them is they, they're not going to be able to compete for any big ticket guys. Not that I think there are any out there. But if they were, they just don't have the salary cap room. You can't pay $35 million dead cap money on a quarterback who's not playing and then pay another guy $35 million on top of it. So I would guess it would be Trask, it would be another veteran, and then maybe a maybe a, a flyer on somebody after that. Could you draft a guy? Yes. 
Will it be in the first round? I don't think so. I think if the draft were held today and there was a guy there, not that you reach for people, you've got to be looking at an offensive tackle, don't you? I mean, Tristan Wirfs is solid and he's young and he's going to make the Pro Bowls if he stays healthy. You could even move him to left tackle if you needed to, but you don't have two, two starting tackles on this team right now. Um, and, and the tape that Donovan Smith has put out there, while they would take a salary cap hit a little bit if he's not here next year, I, I still think you've got to find another, another tackle for this football team's future. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Les a tweet. As he said, is there a chance Mike Evans plays somewhere else before he retires? After Tom Brady leaves, not sure he would want to go through a rebuild, especially if there's a new head coach and or offensive coordinator. Not sure what his contract is, but would hate to see him in another uniform. Well, that's the the problem is that um, he's, he is signed. I think it's a fairly significant – again, they, they pushed a lot of money off his contract to, to save salary cap space. So when you do that – um, he's been paid forward, and so you get voidable years and dead money and things like that. So all things being equal, if Mike, and he's been very consistent, he looks like he'll get another 1,000 yards this year, which would be nine straight 1,000-yard seasons. He's not getting younger. This Next year will be his 10th season, which is an eternity for a receiver in this league. However, would he want to play somewhere else? I, I, I don't know that he would. Mike strikes me as a guy that, you know, Went through a lot of rough times here. Now, he may he may look at the situation and say, gee, I only got a couple good years left, and I know this team is rebuilding. Uh, I'd like to go to a contender. Those conversations could happen. Um, I haven't talked to Mike about it. My sense is he really likes this organization. He'd love to play uh, his, his whole career here. And, you know, he's done everything to help them win, and he's won a Super Bowl. But he's from Texas. I mean, I, I just I, – I really – I don't see a guy like that changing teams at this juncture. And I don't know what the upside would be for the Bucks because, again, they're going to take a hit if they get rid of him and not have the player. And no matter what you say about Mike, he's not, un, he's not unselfish, uh, or he is unselfish. He's not selfish. He's, he's very unselfish. And he can play with anybody. And you've re-signed Godwin, so you can afford to pay him both. And they don't really have that third guy that is going to be a, a you know a wide receiver too in a year or two that they are looking at and going well, wow we're going to have to pay him we have to make a decision so just looking at it I would guess that he would stay um, you never say never but it seems to me they push so much money on his contract um, that it'd probably be hard to move him at this point because you you'd end up with a, a, a cap hit and and still not have the player which is never a good thing. All right, Matt tweeted us. He says, what is Tom Brady more likely wearing on his head next year, a football helmet or a Fox Sports headset? And if it's the football helmet, what logo's on it? I should just say Fox Sports, so I don't have to try to do the second part of the question. (laughs) Um, If you'd asked me at the start of the year, I would have said this is his last year in football. 
period. Okay? But a lot has transpired since then. Um, Especially, you know, in terms of his his marital status, um, all of that, right? Now, I know he has a shoulder problem. I know he's banged up his finger. And I've been told by many people close to him that the number one thing is his health. Like, can he still do it? Like, Tom's not going to be that guy a la Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, that at the end you go, man, that's, I hate seeing him like that because he can't, he can't throw the football anymore. When he can't throw the football, he'll be done. Um, but he still can. You know, what was it? Steve Young in the Monday Night Broadcast was talking about he did a great essay. I don't know if we discussed this or not, but he did this great essay before the Monday night game. And he showed himself and, and Elway and Aikman and all these tearful, you know, Peyton Manning, tearful retirement speeches that they gave. And he goes, you know, none of us, we all retired for the same reason. We couldn't do it physically. He goes, it wasn't that we, we didn't want to keep playing. We all wanted to keep playing. We're going to play forever. The difference is, is that Tom can still do it physically. And he goes, but let me assure you, because uh, I talked to all these people before I retired, and, and, and we all came to the same thing. He said, you know, there's just simply nothing on the other side that will fulfill you. There's nothing that will occupy, uh, that you will pour as much into in your life um, from, a, from a job standpoint, nor will you get as much out of, right, than playing quarterback in the National Football League. That's it. And he goes, and the thing is, and, and he finally got to this point. He kept talking about it and talking about it. And he said, you know, it's as simple as this. It's like death. And who would choose death? And I went, wow, that's heavy. That's kind of dark, Steve. But that's how these guys feel about their job. And that's why they keep playing. And Tom is no different. You know, he saw, he got to go out there for 40 days. And whatever was going on in his personal life aside, he got to think about how dark it was and how unfulfilled he was. And, and he said, why would, you, why would you walk towards death? You know, you run from it. Run as fast as you can from it. So Tom ran back to the NFL. I don't know that he's looking to run out of it again. Um, so I, I think he will not play here. I think he wants to be a free agent. Now, you know, 100% guaranteed, right? So you get your money back if I'm wrong about this. But I think he wants to be a free agent. He wanted to go to Miami, and he wasn't even a free agent. He was under the contract with the Bucks. He was banking on them finding their own quarterback and then them, him coming to them and going, well, I won you a Super Bowl. Let me let my rights go. And we knew where he was going. He was headed to Miami, and that didn't work out. But now he's a free agent like he was in 2000, and he can pick his situation as so long as somebody will take him. If they wouldn't take, there weren't that many teams, and this is unbelievable, but there weren't that many teams that wanted him at 43 or 42. Are they going to want him at 46? The tape's not bad. <laughs> I mean, but are they going to want him at 46? You know, Joe Montana was interviewed the other day. He goes, yeah, well, he could play till he's 50 because he doesn't have to get hit. You know, he takes very few hits. His arm is still good, and, and it's not going to get worse because he's not getting planted the way we were. And so there's no reason to expect that if he wants to play, he could keep playing. And that's kind of where I'm at now. If Tom Brady wants to play, he just needs one team to say, hey, we're going to take a flyer on you getting us over the hump. You know, if that's San Francisco, who 
you know, probably won't get Garoppolo back, although he's not going to have surgery. They're, they're still not real optimistic he'll play this year, and he's a free agent. Uh, Trey Lance, you know, they, they'll be, be in his third year. They want to see what they have. What if they say, hey, we're going to take a, another red shirt on Trey Lance and just see if we can win it with this good football team. Um, we know he's always wanted to play for the 49ers, you know, many failed attempts at that. What if it was uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and Josh McDaniel, you know? People have floated that idea. So I'm, I'm leaning a little more towards he could play. I know it, I'm pretty sure, I'm still pretty sure it won't be here. Um, because, look, he came back, and I think he preferred Todd Bowles over Bruce Arians, and maybe he still does. But it didn't work out with Todd Bowles. Whatever his perception was, it didn't happen. Okay? So why would you want to come back to that? And they're not going to get, the guy that he really wants was Sean Payton was supposed to go to Miami with him and the Dolphins weren't allowed permission to interview with New Orleans. Well, the Saints are going to allow the Bucks to interview Sean Payton, so he ain't coming here. So I, I don't see a scenario where he comes back here, but I'm a little, little more open to the idea that he could play because his personal life has changed. Now, he also knows, unlike he did last time, that he has a place to go. He can go to Fox. And he can be around football, and he can make $37.5 million. Everybody's happy. But it won't be what he really loves, which is the man in the arena. And I don't think he's ready to leave the arena. All right, we'll switch gears to college football. And we got rooting for UF tweeted. So maybe it works for USF. If they eliminated other candidates due to college football playoff responsibilities, the AD is overvaluing one early signing day versus getting the right coach. By this logic, UGA should, shouldn't have hired Kirby Smart. You know, I agree with that, and I, I'm disappointed in USF, and I wasn't part of the conversations, but one day I will ask Todd Monk in this because they reached out to him. But what, what Monk told me was, and I think he'd have been terrific, I mean, what he's done at Georgia as an offensive coordinator is one of the primary reasons they could win a second straight national championship. Um, and so I think that, they told Todd that we want to coach right now. Now, this this is the part I don't have. I don't know that Monk wasn't ready to leave Georgia and and leave them on a lurch as they're going into the college playoffs. I don't I don't see a scenario where he would do that. So he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared to do. He wasn't willing to do that. And I don't think that's unusual. But then you're asking a guy to do double duty. And can you divide, you know, then now you're looking at, now it's Georgia's decision, right? Or Alabama's decision. Um, what was it, a few years ago, Lane, Kicken, Lane Kiffin took the FAU job and they, I don't remember what Alabama, whether they wanted him or not wanted him to call plays. Um, but that's, that's really Georgia's purview at that point. And they would have said, well, you know, we're happy you took the USF job, but we need we need your full undivided attention until we're done playing. Now, at that point, you have lost a, a, a lot of things, right? You've got to build a staff. In other words, how are you going to be all in on your new job if you've got to play another month with your old job? Well, I think and it's what's, more, what's changed since Kirby Smart, too, is the transfer portal. Right. Well, that's the thing. You're a lose, thousand so you kids lose. went in the portal on Monday. Yeah, right. By the time... You get through the championship on January, what, 9th The good this year? players are gone, the, including I mean, yours. Yeah. Right. 
And that was the fear is that, well, they'll all leave. Now, I would say this. And, and your potential staffs are gone. That's the bigger thing. The bigger thing to me is it's harder to build a staff, right? Just think of the hours of the day. I mean, there's just not enough time, man. So you got to hire a staff. You got to look at your own recruit. You got to meet with your team. You got to figure out who you want to keep. And you, it's extremely hard to be involved in the transfer portal from an incoming standpoint. Um, but do I think, superseding all that, do I think it's more important to get the coach right than to lose whatever is going to leave you? Look, it's a bad football program to begin with. Who am I afraid of losing? I mean, we're not we're not talking about USC or Oklahoma here, right? It's USF. I'd burn it to the ground and start over. That's fine, you know, um, because the transport portal giveth and the transport portal taketh away, and they, and it is musical chairs. I think I I saw a stat, and I don't know if it's true. Something like forty percent of the kids that enter the transport portal don't get jobs, don't get scholarships, um, which is a lot, right? But some of these guys enter because they're not playing where they're at, mm-hmm. and so they can't do any worse. They're well, just tired of, of not getting opportunity. And some enter and co- go back, too. I mean, And some go they, back. They look at what's out there. Or but maybe, let me ask you this. Maybe, so maybe you, you're a USF player and you, you enter the portal. Yeah. Now Alex Golish is hired and you, you listen like, okay. to him. You say, well, let me see what he's got to say. Well, maybe and, this and is that, the best opportunity for me. Maybe it's not. And that's what I was going to say. If you brought in, like say you brought in a Munkin and you said, well, wow, this guy's the Georgia coordinator and they're going to win their second national championship – he knows offensive football. I'm a quarterback. I want to play for that guy. He made Stetson Bennett a Heisman Trophy candidate. Now he's 25, and he's not going to win, but he can win back-to-back national titles. Stetson Bennett? They ran off five stars for Stetson Bennett. That's Monk doing some stuff right there. So maybe I'm a guy, and I go, you know what? I'll, I'll, take, I'll stick around to see what he's all about. You know? Every guy's got to do what he's got to do. But I would, if I'm USF, I'm not. If I thought I could get someone like like Monk, for example, I'd have been like, well, do what you got to do, man. But here's what we don't know. Was Todd willing to do that? Was Georgia willing to stick with him while he did it? You know, because they know, they know. I mean, it's human nature, right? And that's the problem. Anytime NFL coaches, I always say this, you, you, as an organization, you hate to fire your head coach during the season in the NFL and anywhere for that matter. Because what happens? So everyone on that staff knows they don't have a job at the end of the year. Everyone. So what, how are your game plans now? How much time are guys spending working on, on you know, the next game, the next opponent? They're all fired, right? They know it. So they're spending their time trying to get their next job, right? They got families. They got kids in school. I can't wait till the NFL season's over and then start looking. So you've now, you know, divided their time between game plans and everything else. And trust me, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen where guys just aren't doing it. You know? And it's a problem. And so that's why you prefer not to fire a coach during the year. And the other thing that happens is the interim coach could win and then he becomes a candidate and you didn't want him in the first place. So there's there's many reasons for it. But, yeah, I I hope they didn't botch that. Like, I hope they didn't give him an ultimatum and say, we need you f- your full attention right now. you got to leave Georgia. I hope they left it up to him, and he just decided he didn't want to do double duty. All right, we got a couple raised questions, but I'm going to save those for next week because right now there's a lot of free agency signings happening. 
Uh, yeah, let's the, run through that. We are, had uh, some movement with the Rays, right? Yeah, well, there's a couple of Rule 5 players. Um, they traded Brooks Raley, the Rays, first of all. Yeah. Um, they didn't add a, They didn't draft a Rule 5 player, but they traded for one that the Rockies got from the Guardians. Okay. So they put him on. And they've, there's some minor league um, Rule 5 guys they've added in and lost. Um, okay. So that's happening. But there's so much going on free agency, and, and there was a stadium question, too. So we'll get to those next week. We'll have a little more time to dive into it. So. All right, thanks for your questions. Of course, we'll get, as Steve said, more race stuff on the next round. Uh, tomorrow we'll preview the Bucks at the 49ers. Have a chance to talk, of course, with Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich and everybody at One Buck Place. We'll have that for you, as well as Matt Baker. We'll talk some college football and, of course, all that's going on at USF with the new head coach um, and uh, you know, just this, the latest in, in all the bowl games coming up. we got a lot, you know, the national championship round is set and the lightning are hosting the predators unfortunately ryan mcdonough is on ir that would have been a nice tribute i'm sure to him and the fans and everything would have enjoyed that um but that's a a good game uh going on as well at emily arena so we'll have all of that for you uh as well so thanks for listening thanks for your questions you can send those in anytime you can do that by sending them to us at sports day tb you can send it to me on twitter at nfl stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud. This Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 